Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. Your Bible, smartphones, or tablets, and you want to follow along, we are going to be taking a look at that uh, passage in uh, Philippians chapter 3. Um, we're continuing our walk through Philippians, and we're looking at verses, uh, uh, expanded a little, 7 to 15. I love to hear testimonies of how God has, has worked in a person's life, don't you? Like, you, I, I love to hear what God is doing. Uh, God met this person, he turned them around. I'm, I'm, I love to hear how God is teaching his followers about who he is and what he has done, and and, and how to live in the present time. I, I love those kind of testimonies. The passage that we're looking at today is Paul's testimony. It is not the story of how we got, uh, how we got saved. We see that in the, the book of Acts. It's the story of how he is learning to live out his Christian life. And Paul's testimony can help us in our lives as well. Paul's going to teach us what's important on the Christian journey. You may remember last week that we looked at the first seven verses of this chapter. Paul told about his, his background in Philippians chapter 3, verse 5. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I, I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. If there was anyone who could, could claim righteousness because of human effort, it was Paul. He uh, did all the things he was to do. He was born into the right family. He zealously obeyed the law. But then he goes on to say in verse 7, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ Jesus has done. There is the testimony. I thought these things were valuable. Now I see them as worthless. There's a change of heart going on here. Paul goes on in verse 8. Yes, everything is worthless compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ. Uh, 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 and uh, yes, everything is worthless to, with the comparable value, infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake... I've discarded everything else, counting them all as garbage, so that I may gain Christ. One of the things I love about Scripture is that the Scripture translations, um, oftentimes, they're not quite as earthy as the uh, original Greek was. Um, and this is one of those places where it, they tend to make it more civilized, I guess is what you would say. Um, and uh, they do this in this verse. Um, but the message uh, <laughs> translation actually comes closest to, to what Paul is saying here. Let me read it to you, verse 8. Yes, the things I thought were important to me are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant dog dung. That's actually the right translation for that. I've dumped it all in the trash so I could embrace Christ Jesus. Not civilized, but picturesque, I guess. Um, he says, you know, I used to think these things were valuable. Now I don't anymore. 
And he's going to go on from here and tell us what he embraces. We're going to come back to that in a moment, but what Paul is demonstrating here is the truth that Jesus told in the parable. Remember the parable found in Matthew 13, verse 44? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovers hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again, sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. That's Paul's testimony. What I thought was valuable, no longer valuable. I, I got rid of that all because of the surpassing worth of Christ Jesus my Lord. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant uh, on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a, per a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Paul gave up what he thought was valuable for the treasure of knowing Christ. Verse 7, again, I once thought these things were valuable, but I now consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He sold it all to find the treasure. Look at how he defines the treasure. Let's go on to, to verse 9. I no longer count my own righteousness uh, on my own. Rather, I, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself, that's a key phrase, depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead, and I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that I may, uh, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Treasure that he's talking about is righteousness, but not righteousness for the sake of righteousness. It's about making us right with God. It goes on to define the treasure further. It's about knowing Christ and being made alive in Christ and being with Christ. Paul says, now that, that's a treasure worth pursuing. I need to be reminded of this sometimes. I suspect you do too. For from time to time, we ask ourselves the question, why follow Jesus? Good question to ask. For some of us, why follow Jesus? It's about heaven. We look forward to walking those streets of gold and living in a mansion that Jesus has prepared for us. Um, for he did say, I go to prepare a place for you, right? Been away 2,000 years, going to be a grand place. Brothers, it's about, why follow Jesus? Well, he gives me peace. He gives me joy. Jesus uh, combats anxiety and the worry of the world. In this world you will have trouble, but I've overcome the world. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I, I give to you, not as the world give, I give as the world gives. Do I give to you? Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He gives us peace. That's good. That's good. Why follow Jesus? Well, for some, it's about community. Family of God gives us a place to belong. We are his children. That gives us an identity. For others, it's his love, because if I'm loved by him, and my identity is rooted in that, uh, he gives me something solid to stand on. 
For others, it's his grace, his undeserved favor. I know my life. I know my sin. I know I don't deserve anything. But Jesus was good enough to forgive me. And he has forgiven me. And that allows me to forgive myself. And these these are wonderful, wonderful, awesome benefits of following Jesus. But these things, these are side benefits. The real treasure is about being right with God. The real treasure is about knowing Christ. It's about being plugged into Christ. He's the vine, we're the branches. It's about abiding in Christ. And this is really important to get straight in your own mind. If you miss the main point of the journey, you'll miss so much. Here's the problems with uh, making the treasure, the side benefits, the treasure. When, when we do that, when we make the side benefits the treasure, what happens is, well, we make our salvation all about us um, and not about God. It's about what God can do for me. In, in that equation of God and me, it's God becomes a mean to an end to get what I want. The most important thing in my life is me and not God. Now, I realize that most of us started off in the Christian life, it was about us. I don't know why you came to Christ, but for most of us, it was about what Christ could do. We wanted heaven, or we knew we needed forgiveness, or, or we knew we had a mess in our lives, and we, we hoped that God could fix us, and, uh, or we were just convinced it was right and it was good. That's all good. We come to Christ because, um, one, the Father is drawing us, but two, we needed what Christ had to offer. That's okay. But there comes a time in our spiritual journey when we need to come to the realization that life isn't all about me. Salvation isn't all about me. There has to come a time when we say it's about you, Jesus. It's about knowing you and being found in you. It's about being in a right relationship with, with God. It's, it's about the, the relationship. When you're moving there, you know that you're starting to move towards spiritual maturity. If you wait too long in your spiritual journey to get there, then that becomes a problem because you end up making an idol of yourself. Uh, your relationship becomes all about you. And when that happens, your, your spiritual growth has a tendency to plateau. We pursue the gift and not the giver. We pursue peace and joy and forgiveness, but, but we don't pursue God himself. And when we do that, it holds us back from all that God wants for us. Those of you who have been married for a while, uh, you'll probably get this. I don't know what first attracted you to your spouse, but you were attracted to them. Hey, and you know, they make me feel good. You're attracted to them. 
I, I love the feeling that I get when I'm with them. I love what they do to me. They encourage me. They, they keep me grounded. Each person has their own list. And that's great for a while. But when you've been married for a while, the feelings come, feelings go. Oh, they, they still do things for you and, and you for them. But after you've walked in marriage for a while, you know it becomes about the relationship, the friendship. If a spouse gets to the point where they're always asking, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What are you doing for me? That's going to be really problematic, right? You've been married for a long time, you know that. Um, the relationship will go to a pretty dark place there. For marriage to work, you, you have to connect with the other person and, and you each serve the other's needs. That's a helpful but inadequate uh, illustration of, of what's going on between you and God because your spouse obviously is not God. Uh, but if you, you make marriage all about you, you know that it's not going to go very well. If you make your relationship with God all about you, you know it's not going to go very well. So the question you ask yourself periodically is, is my spiritual life about me, or is it about God? I say periodically because if you are constantly asking yourself that question, you know, did I serve that person because... I want like the feeling I get, or, or did I do it for God? Or, you know, am I praying because I, I need something from God, or is this about God? It'll drive you crazy, right? That's not helpful. It's um, because all of us have mixed motives most of the time. So this question isn't about any point in time. It's about your overall mindset. Is my spiritual life about me, or is it about God? Is it about knowing him and walking with him and being in communion with him? Or is it about the side benefits? Paul says, verse 10, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I may experience the resurrection from the dead. We're going to come back to that verse in a moment, but I want to... Uh, move this from Paul's testimony to what it means for you. One of the things that I'm really interested in and that I like to read about is uh, what does it take for a person to be successful? The Winter Olympics ends today. So what kind of mindset do you need to win a gold medal? Well, it's about training. It's about pushing yourself to be the best you can be and pushing yourself to the limit. It's about performance under pressure. If you believe the Russians, it's about ha harsh coaching. Others think what you need to do is visualize the wind. The win. I'm a fan of football, as you know. The LA Chargers won the Super Bowl last week, which means a couple of things. The first thing it means is I have no idea what to do with myself this afternoon. Football's over, right? Um, uh, but uh, I, I, before the season started, I, I watched a documentary on the L.A. Chargers. And uh, the, the coach was all about uh, creating a winning mindset in his team. I read books. 
a number of books on different kinds of people. I, I read books on wealthy people's attitude towards money compared to those of us who earn a salary for a living. Their attitude is different. See, your attitude, your, your mindset matters in how you live your life. How you view life matters. What I'm most interested in, though, is how to follow Jesus well. How do you live the Christian life well? Well, let's bounce back down to 15 and uh, verse 15. I'll read the New Revised Standard Version in this verse because it catches better what's going on. It says, Paul says, Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. If any think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. That phrase, be of the same mind, or in the NIV it says, take such a view of, of, of things. That's the same root word as it was in chapter 2 when we looked at uh, what Paul said. And he said, you know, have the same attitude in you uh, that was also in Christ Jesus. Or as we looked at, be like-minded with, with, with Christ Jesus. Paul is saying if you're spiritually mature, you're going to have this same underlying attitude, this, this same underlying view of mindset of life. What's the attitude? Verse 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I may experience the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ. That's the attitude. That's the treasure. That's the goal. And his power, I, I, I want to know, is that's not a, so much a cognitive knowing as, a, as an exper experiential knowing. And it's written in a tense that means it happens continually. When I know Christ that way, the way the verse is written, I will experience the power of the resurrection. I will experience and share in his death. Have you ever heard of death to the carnal nature? One way or another, I will, exp uh, I, I will uh, experience the power that raised him from the dead. And Paul says it in a tense that says, it's happened but it is happening, and it will happen. It's something that, that continues to happen. It's not something that happened once and it's done. Paul says, brothers and sisters, I, I do not consider myself to having taken hold of it yet. Paul says, I know Christ by experience, but, but I don't feel like I've accomplished knowing Christ or his suffering or his resurrection. This is something I'm striving for. This is, this is the treasure that I seek. I find that amazing coming from Paul. Um, this is a guy who met Jesus on the road to Damascus, was struck down by a bright light. This is a guy who was taken up and into the third heaven and was shown things that were too sacred uh, to, to mention. This is a guy who 
preached a really long sermon and a guy fell out of a second story window listening to him and was dead and Paul prayed for him and the guy was raised from the dead. This is a guy who was arrested and with Silas uh, was in prison in stocks and at midnight they started singing praise and God sent an earthquake and they were released from prison and, and that led to the jailer and his family being coming to know Jesus. Paul says, I don't consider myself having taken hold of it yet. I know Jesus, but I've no, come nowhere close to the place where I plumb the depths of knowing Jesus. seen a lot of church people who approach their faith by saying, ah, it's the same old, same old. There's nothing new under the sun. I've heard it all. Nothing more to see here. If that's you, you think you might be missing something? If the Apostle Paul says, I haven't got there yet, probably haven't got there either. Here's what Paul goes on to say, verse 13, uh, partway through the verse. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining forward towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, Whatever successes I've had, whatever failures I've had, I'm leaving those behind. I'm forgetting about those. I'm not going to dwell on them. I'm not going to recount them. This is not where my mind and my heart is to be found. He says, I'm straining forward to what is ahead. Note the mindset. Note the attitude. Something better is coming. Something better is moving, and I'm pushing towards it. I'm pressing on towards the goal. What's the goal? To experience, experientially know Jesus. To experience the power of his resurrection that, that brings life and to be full of that life. I'm pressing on towards the goal to experience death. Death to my old nature. So somehow I can attain to the resurrection of the dead. This is the goal. This is what God is calling us heavenward for. We're going heavenward to know Christ, to have fellowship with God for eternity. Some of us continually live in the past. Some of the past is good. Some of you have trauma in the past and you're tempted to live there. And we can get stuck in the hard places. Paul says, I'm forgetting what's behind. I know I persecuted the church and had some people killed. I know I've experienced a lot of good things in Christ, but I'm forgetting all those things. It's helpful advice to us as well. Some of us live in the future. Paul says, I'm, I'm, I'm straining towards what is ahead. I know what my goal is. I know where the treasure's found. I'm heading towards that. But in here and now, I press on towards goal. In the here and now, I press. 
I press. I'm moving towards knowing God. I am in the moment, but I'm pressing on towards what it means to plumb the depths of experientially knowing God. Then he says that those of us who are mature be of the same mind. That's how spiritually mature people live. And I am so excited about the trajectory that Asbury is going because we're being discipled and growing together and we're moving on towards maturity. How do we live? We're oriented to knowing Jesus. Not just about Jesus, but knowing Jesus. How about you? Where's your treasure? Are you fixated on the side benefits? Or are you oriented towards knowing Jesus? I want to encourage you. Press on. Press on towards the mark. Press on towards the goal of knowing Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the testimony of Paul. It's really helpful to see the testimony of those who are much farther along on their spiritual journey than we are. Thank you, Lord, for his testimony. And thank you, Lord, that you're growing us towards maturity, and I, I really thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in us. Lord, help us. Help us to um, not get sidelined by the side benefits of your grace. Help us to receive them with joy and thanksgiving and open hands, but help us not to get sidelined. Help us to push into knowing you. Lord, I know in my life I've got, gone down some rabbit trails and taken some off-ramps. Forgive me for that. Lord, I know that's a common experience, so forgive us for that. Help us to get back on the main path of knowing you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.